Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! This podcast was born December 4th, weighing in on Lynn and Liverpool. It's the first season of the bowl season, the only one in which we won't ponder the timing of a defensive coordinator hire. And that's how we knew it's going to be a special show. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, journalist, my co host here in the Rancher Studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. I that was probably terrible. You you did not get the reference when I was putting together the rundown, and I'm offended. As someone who like I know like all of three rap songs, and <laughs> I I expect you to at least know more than me, I, and you didn't even get it. Like I I didn't get it. I <laughs> I now know that's a, a Jay Z song. <sighs> I can't me. say I've listened to a ton of Jay Z in my life, though. I mean, me neither. But I mean, like, like I the know radio that play one. stuff. Well, I don't, I don't know. Ninety nine problems in December. I mean, 4th. I know ninety nine problems. That's the one I know. Yeah, yeah. I know ninety nine problems and the stuff he did did with Lincoln Park. That's that's about it. All right, fair enough. Anyways, uh, welcome back to episode five hundred and twenty four. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, USC in the Holiday Bowl, everybody's favorite bowl game, I think. Um, the Trojans got a new defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn. We're going to talk about that a little bit more than we did the other day. Um, and then there's early transfer portal stuff. Um, and then at some point, we're probably going to talk about uh, the playoff and what happened uh, in the college football playoff and, and weigh in on that sort of stuff. But um, Alicia, there's a, there's a lot to get to and um i i don't know how we're gonna keep this sort of under uh two hours or something like that but you know we're gonna have to because we took the under over on sleepy daily fantasy sleeper daily fantasy because have you heard of sleeper daily fantasy sleeper hosts daily fantasy prop games that you can compete for a chance to win cash prizes the game is simple for each contest you're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports. You pick whether the prop will be over or under, given the total. Uh, you choose then up to eight different props for a chance at a bigger win. Uh, if you want to get in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up with our promo code FANSIDED2 today uh, and receive a deposit match of up to 100 bucks Using the code FANSIDED2 when signing up not only gives you the great reward, but helps directly support this very podcast. So make sure to use the promo code FANSIDED2 when you sign up. If you're watching us on YouTube, there's a little QR code in the corner of your screen. Get your get out your, your, your iPhone. Um, assuming that you have an iPhone, because you don't want to be a green texter, you know. Uh, and then, you know, snap a picture of the little QR code and head over. Uh, the offer is only available to new customers who are 18 plus and physically present in valid states, including California. Please remember to always game responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, as always, Alicia, we got a bunch to get to. So let's start with the news. 
right. Talk about Danton Lynn a little bit here. Um, Danton Lynn, USC's new defensive coordinator, hired after one season at UCLA. Uh, Lincoln Riley met the press today, Monday. Uh, Danton Lynn will have a Zoom call with the media tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, and the Lincoln Riley quotes, I think, were sort of interesting. Um, there were, he was asked about, or he was talking about um, getting bigger on the defensive line. Quote, philosophical changes, there'll be a lot. Uh, this will be a very distant si- system than what we were running previously. This is a system, as I started diving into it, that is not necessarily with Coach Lynn, but with all these candidates, there were a few non-negotiables, at least on my part, a few things that were really, really important, and then they matched up with Coach Lynn, especially with the defensive front, especially in terms of the evaluation and development of size in the defensive front and how we want to play there. There were a few things that were really important to me, and Coach Lynn's system certainly fits that, and not just fits that, excels with that. Alicia, we, we talk about uh, Coach Speak a lot, um, and uh, whatnot. This, I think, is the opposite of Coach Speak. It might be fan service because this is the thing that people have been wanting to hear forever. Is it yeah, not? Yeah, absolutely. This is this is what people wanted to hear that USC was going to beef beef up on on the defensive line and and take the defensive front, I think, more seriously and make yeah. it more of a a foundational piece of the defense because that. That is how you win championships in, in, in the long run. You don't see teams that don't have uh, dominant defensive lines go very far uh, in uh, in the national conversation, at least. So Denton Lynn, that was what he did extremely well at UCLA. He got the most out of, uh, out of UCLA's defensive front. USC fans saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. How did they disrupt USC's offense? How did they disrupt a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback they overran the offensive line. They yeah. they won the battle in the trenches, uh, and uh, and I think it's just noteworthy that he's talking about size on the defensive front because that was one of the things that I think a lot of people were very skeptical of Alex Grinch, um, the idea that he preferred smaller defensive linemen, and it was something that I harped on all season uh, because it, I I felt like it it shouldn't. I understood it in in 2022 because they inherited players that they inherited uh, personnel that they just sort of had to work within the bounds of that. In 2023, it felt like, okay, you dealt with that before because you had to. Now, show me that you are willing to play bigger guys, win those battles, uh, stop the run, all of those kinds of things on the defensive front. And they continually put out 270-pound defensive tackles. And it... it, it, it infuriated me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's not something that uh, they will see. We will see from the new defense, at least not by choice, uh, because uh, the the formula there for the defensive front will be slightly different. It's not going to be a complete personnel over overhaul um, in terms of the kind of personnel that they are bringing in, but the 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 personnel decisions around. Um, weight and strength and all of those kinds of things all of the Benny Wiley complaints about how USC's defense or guys in the trenches were too small all of those things theoretically are answered by this hire because um I don't think Benny Wiley who by the way the strength and conditioning coach is simply following the directions of the 
the uh, the coordinator who's asking them to get the players to certain weights, right. um, I think he will be expected to have uh, have USC's defensive linemen be quite a bit bigger uh, in in the coming year. So we'll see that. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited to see that actually. Yeah, we we, we cheers to uh, West Texas Mike. Cheers. We got a uh, a super chat that says, "Since when did Lingarelli care about the size of, of the defensive front? Did he not care for the past five years? He hired Alex Grinch." Yeah, I, I think that's a it's a valuable. I mean, a, a, a valid thing to be skeptical of, right? Um, at the same time, I if he gets to this point, he gets to this point. Like, the key is for him to to have this realization. But I think it's twofold. He's got to be able to get to this realization and follow through on it. This can't just be lip service. It can't just be fan service um, telling the fans what they want to hear. They gotta, we, we got to go see them actually sort of do these things and prioritize them with actions. Um, but the other flip side is, we talked about it before, he has never lost the way that he lost this year, um, Lincoln Riley. And so this was like the eye-opening thing for him to make changes. And we talked about like if he's going to get better as a head coach, he's got to make big changes. Maybe this is just maybe it took the season just getting derailed because he's never lost like this before for him to, you know, get to this point. It shouldn't have had to get to this point. But sometimes it does because when you keep going to the playoff and when you keep having 11 win regular seasons, it's sort of difficult to rationalize any change and rock the boat, right? Like, so. Well, and as a coach, you're allowed to be wrong. Like, you're allowed to, to hold it. I mean, as not just a coach, as a, as a person, as a whatever, like, we all have incorrect opinions that we think are correct in the moment and then and, and then we Not look me. back on it and realize like no actually i got that wrong this next time i gotta make gotta make a different decision and a different uh, evaluation because the thing that we tried before didn't work like that's per- i'm perfectly fine with saying with, with coming out and saying you know with my next defensive coordinator hire i did not want to do the same thing which is bring in somebody who was going to uh going to key in on sort of the, the speed defense, smaller defensive front. I wanted to give somebody a chance who will go in there and develop size on the defensive front. That's a good sign to, right. to, to be recon- to, to be cognizant of that. Um, and that like, so I'm not going to beat Lincoln Riley over the head with that. This like, ultimately he is doing what everybody was asking him to do because he experienced the pain of failure and now has to go out there and, and address it. Um, I, I just I think that's that we should view that as a as a good thing, um, and and let you know let Lincoln roll the dice here and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I, West Texas Mike says I want to know when it clicked. I I I don't know. I, I don't know when. Probably at some point this season when he realized probably that in it the middle of the season that when it didn't that it wasn't working. Yeah, <laughs> I so. mean. The other thing that that he said, there's a, there was a bunch of things that he said, but one of the other things that he said that I thought was very noteworthy um, that I didn't throw into the rundown here is that he talked about um, he talked about how he wanted somebody who was willing to be a little bit more flexible about how they were going to deploy personnel and how they they were going to create their fronts and and uh, it's not just about being multiple. I think that what I got from those comments was about the 
my main criticism of Alex Grinch, which was it seemed like Alex Grinch was blaming the personnel for everything going wrong instead of fixing his philosophy philosophy yeah. and scheme around what he had available to him and working within the confines of that. And I think that's something that Lincoln Riley has identified with with Lynn is something that he wants to uh, to lean on is this this idea that you take the players that are in front of you and you fit them into the puzzle in the best way possible instead of trying to um, insist that if you don't have any square pegs that uh, mm-hmm. that that's just that's just the end of the thing instead of saying well why don't we try a round hole then um, to to fit what. Uh, what we what we go with yeah yeah uh, it all of this bodes well for the trojans if they're able to to follow through on it um like we said before in the other in the reaction to usc hiring danton lynn danton lynn is exactly the 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 person to do the turnaround because we've literally seen him do this at ucla i think that you know Ideally, you'd, you'd like to have a defensive coordinator with a longer track record of being a defensive coordinator, multiple stops of success as a, as a defensive coordinator, all those things that, you know, we have on our little, you know, criteria chart um, that, that maybe he doesn't check off. But having said that, um, he we literally saw him, you know, go into UCLA and just turn things around. And they had a lot of transfer portal guys, even though there were a lot of those dudes that he inherited that were already transferred in. Well, there's a lot of guys at USC that have already transferred in, like Anthony Lucas and Bear Alexander, um, who are still going to be here next year um, that he's got to get more out of. Uh, did want to issue a little Mia Culpa, Mia, uh, Mia Culpa here. Um, I, I can't math. It's it's a it's a problem. Uh, we got multiple comments about how the point system didn't make sense because, like two weeks ago, we said that it was a forty-four point scale, and then for some reason, I changed it to a thirty-three point scale last week because I got my math mi- mixed up. I was adding the first column as if it was the second column, as if there were three points instead of five points each. So, long story short, Danton Lynn thirty-three out of forty-four on our criteria um uh and can criteria I, checklist can i clear just if we're going to be talking about comments that we got on on youtube can i clarify something yeah, yeah you people are not not happy with you i am not pessimistic alicia about danton lynn i i, I, I get you are i understand why people say that you are i understand why people are misinterpreting what i'm saying uh with that because he is a candidate with very clear pros and very clear cons like i think that if we if we ignore the things that are uh that that are concerns or worries about his ability to come in and have success at usc we're just being blind i'm not ignoring those elements those are concerning elements to me but I'm not being pessimistic. I'm not sitting here saying this this hire is not going to work out, which is what pessimism would truly be. Mm-hmm. I think this hire is going to work. I think this is this is going to turn out to be a really solid hire for USC. Um, where my skepticism comes from is USC needed to hire a coordinator who could be elite, top you know perennial top ten, and and um, Lynn. I don't think it's a home run. That doesn't mean that I'm being pessimistic. Lynn can be there, but he's he, not there yet. And yeah. I think that, you know, there there are some people who would look at, you know, Jim Leonard or Manny Diaz or... Who 
by the way, if Jim Leonard got hired, I would have had to sit here and we would and we had conversations before about how well, there are some things about Jim Leonard that are very uncertain. He's only ever done it at Wisconsin where he was set up to win at Wisconsin with defenses yeah. that had won before. Like we would have had those same conversations. It's not about being pessimistic yeah. about this hire. It's about giving you a full picture of the positives and negatives of of any hire that comes in. Um when yeah. it comes down to it, though, as you've pointed out, USC hired the guy who literally did the thing that USC needed to do with UCLA last year. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, the flip side of that, too, is you talked about, uh, you know, the positive and negatives. And I think more than anything, I, I think it's not not that, that I'm... I want to shy away from the word negatives, but like it's really risks, right? It's risks, um, and it's it's understanding what the risks are. Yeah, the risks for for Dan Lynn are the little X's here on on the screen. If you're watching us on YouTube, like he we don't have him checked off as an ace recruiter because we haven't seen him be an ace recruiter. He might very well be, but we don't know that he is because he hasn't been around long enough to truly be one yet, and so that's a risk. He, he could be the greatest recruiter of all time. We we don't know yet. So um, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see if he can have success at multiple stops, uh, et cetera, if he can have success in the Big Ten as a coach, not as a player. So uh, we're going to have to see that way. Uh, we did get a, que a question on Discord that I want to get to uh, from Sean in Mid-City. No matter how unrealistic, is there any actual perfect person who could have got a perfect score on your DC rubric Maybe Pete Carroll question mark. Realistically, I think the answer is no. I don't think there's a single person that could get like Lendak, maybe. Like there, <laughs> there, there's like nobody who could get the perfect score because who's the who could you think of like I was thinking about it, like Bob Stoops. If Bob Stoops was your defensive coordinator, he would well, check off all of these boxes. Except I mean, we'd have to fudge the NFL thing because we could say, well, he has XFL experience, but well, like, he doesn't have USC connections. Nick so. Saban wouldn't ace this. Nick rubric. Saban doesn't have yeah, he doesn't if, have any USC connections. He doesn't have or USC SoCal connections. connections. Pete Carroll would be, would be interesting because Pete Carroll would check all of these boxes, but like you'd be lying to yourself about Big Ten experience because Pete Carroll is not coached in the Big Ten since 1979. So like yes, you would but, but, count. But that's, the the question is not that you that you are there. Like there is no perfect candidate. Right. Yeah. There there is there is no perfect candidate. I think it's well, important to look at look at Lincoln Riley. Right. Like Lincoln Riley is a head coach. We said was just about the the ideal hire that you could have gotten a couple of years ago. Um, but there certainly were flaws because mm -hmm. because. Nick Saban isn't the wasn't the possible hire. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like that just <laughs> yeah. You know, the and the hire that that people want doesn't doesn't exist. And when Georgia hired Kirby Smart, there were a million reasons why that was a, a great hire. Yeah, and also a handful of risks around that. Well, hire. because did Jeremy Pruitt work at no at Tennessee? You know, it's uh, this no. is this is what happens uh, with no. hires. This is why is Billy Napier working at Florida? You, you evaluate the hires and then you see what they go out and do. And I think that's what I'm, I'm super excited to see what Danton Lynn goes out and does. Cause I think there's, there's 
positive vibes around this this uh, defensive coordinator move. Yeah. And we'll see how it rolls. But there's still a lot of dominoes that need to fall mm-hmm. uh, in order to say that it's uh, it's going to work out. Yeah. We're going to see them fall or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Want to give another shout out to Fadion MC for a, for a super chat, by the hey. way. Thank you. Appreciate it. You guys are the best. Um, let's get to the other news. Uh, talking about the bowl game. The, the bowl season is underway, about to be underway. USC is playing in the Holiday Bowl. I joke that it's everyone's favorite Holiday Bowl. Everybody's favorite bowl, the Holiday Bowl. I have we- weird opinions about the Holiday Bowl. As a kid, I loved the Holiday Bowl. It always felt like a big destination game. Um, it always felt like it was a game that should have had more cachet than it did. I think the Holiday Bowl should have been turned into a New Year's Six Bowl instead of the Peach Bowl, personally. Um, yeah, but why did that not happen? Because they played at Qualcomm. Like, they played at Qualcomm. If, yeah. if San Diego had built a new football stadium, yeah. yes, that would have been a, a huge bowl yeah, destination. Which, but And the irony is they did build the new football stadium, and yet... The Holiday Bowl is not there. The Holiday Bowl is at Petco Park. Uh, December 27th, the Trojans will play Louisville. Louisville. The Louisville Cardinals. First time ever USC will play Louisville. Um, Someone who won't play will be Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley confirmed this. We all assumed. We all assumed that Caleb Williams was not going to play. So it's going to be Miller Moss that's going to be out there um, playing for the Trojans in that. Um, But... Louisville ten and three. Um, they were ten and two in the regular season. They lost to Florida State in the ACC's championship game, sixteen to six. They could have done a world of saving if they would have just put Florida State out of their misery, um, <laughs> saved some controversy for the playoff. Uh, but alas, they did not. Um, but Louisville is led by quarterback uh, Jack Plummer. Might sound familiar because he threw for four hundred and six yards and three touchdowns a year ago for Cal against the Trojans. It was the 10th most prolific passing game against a USC defense in school history. Uh, Alicia, there's a little trivia question. There's two quarterbacks all time who have thrown for 500 yards against the Trojans. Can you name them? Well, I've seen one of the names on the rundown, so Um, (laughs) it's feeling like cheating. (laughs) Okay, so number one on that list is uh, Joe Thiesman. 33 of 58 for 526 yards and two t- two, uh, two TDs in 1970, which blows my mind. Like, Notre Dame, was like, it was a big deal when, when Ty Willingham went to Notre Dame uh, in, like, 2002, right? Because he was taking over for, like, no more triple option for, for Notre Dame. And he's going to bring the West Coast offense, and they're going to learn how to throw the ball and all this stuff. And it's like, but yet... He's been through for 526 yards? What? Weird. The other one, Mike Bercovici, 510 <laughs> the, yards. The blast from the past. In the, the Jail Mary game, yeah. Uh, anyways, the Trojans and uh, Cardinals will be playing at Petco Park, the home of the San Diego Padres. Uh, another little bit of way too much nerdy research I did before this episode. I was curious about USC playing... At MLB stadiums, current MLB stadiums. Um, current as in like active, not necessarily active right now, but active while the game was there. 
uh, I did a lot of research. Uh, the Trojans have played 12 games away from the Coliseum in a current MLB stadium starting in 1951 when the Trojans beat Army 28-6 to at Yankee Stadium. Most recently, 2011, they beat Cal 30-9 to at Pac Bell Park up in San Francisco. Uh, but 9-2-1 in those 12 games. This took a hell of a lot of research, including, like, SC beat Washington State at the Kingdome in 1976, randomly, because Washington State used to host a game every year in Seattle for their Seattle alumni base. But also, this did not include, in 1950, the Trojans lost to Navy at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, four years before the Orioles existed. So that one did not count. Uh, so 9-2-1, and one, the Trojans are uh, in games in which uh, the Trojans play at a active MLB stadium. The two losses, Fresno State and North Carolina back-to-back at Anaheim Stadium in 1992 and 1993. The tie, also 1992 against San Diego State, at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. Not a good couple of years for no, USC. No, it was a, it was a stretch that was, there's was like a year and a half stretch where SC played four games in that stretch and went 1-1-2, one, one, and two. Um, really bad. Um, or 1-2-1, one, and one, whatever. Um, now, I also was thinking, well, you have to include the Coliseum, right? Because SC played at the Coliseum from 58 to 61, co-hosting with the Dodgers who were playing there when the... Dodge Stadium was being constructed. Trojans record in that time at home, 13-10-1, including road games at the Coliseum. Road games, quote-unquote, uh, against UCLA. So 13-10-1. So all-time, 36 games at an active MLB stadium, 22-12-2. There you go. Remember when we were Useless dreaming? Stats. Remember when we were dreaming about USC playing at, uh, at Wrigley because yeah. of the Northwestern matchup that is no longer I know, matchup. I know. Uh, Smee says, worst pronunciation of Joe Theismann I've ever heard. I love this. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. His name is Joe Theismann. His name is Joe Theismann. <laughs> they went, changed they, the... Notre Dame oh. changed his name to Theismann so it would rhyme with the Heisman for PR purposes. But his, no, and his name is Joe Theismann. Yes. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. It's it's, it's one of my favorite little weird, yeah. weird trivia nuggets. It's Theismann. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right, uh, other news. Let's talk about the roster stuff. Departures. Marshawn Lloyd headed to the NFL draft. Not a shock. Um, not a surprise at all. I think we would have. I, I always, that. I always say running backs should leave when they have the opportunity to leave. Yeah. Uh, Jude Wolf and Chris Thompson Jr. headed to the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, neither are great losses for USC. Um. Jude Wolf is one of those guys that it just the the what ifs of if he had been able to stay healthy what what might he have been able to do at USC but mm -hmm. so far all of the transfer portal additions leaving USC are not surprising at all so yeah we'll see that as those continue to yeah to come in really Brown Darwin Barlow with the ones from last week that we we talked about guys who combined for eight touches on on offense so yeah uh yeah this is this is what happens uh marshawn lloyd going to the nfl draft it's because he's had success and the nfl is a thing where if you're in a, if you're a running back you got to go uh and if you're not getting playing time and all those things makes sense to hit the transfer portal as well just like barlow brown wolf thompson 
Um, all right, uh, let's talk about the other transfer portal stuff. The Trojans looking to go get dudes. There was a report confirmed by USC Media on Monday that Lincoln Riley was in the market for a transfer quarterback, potentially Will Howard. This is per K-State Online. He that Riley was going to meet with Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback. Uh, the fourth best quarterback in the, the transfer portal, according to 24-7. Uh, he led Kansas State to the Big 12 title in 2022. 2,600 passing yards and 24 touchdowns and 10 picks this past season. The numbers are fine, um, but I, I think that you can make the argument that he's not necessarily in a system that you know is overly dynamic for him. So I don't know. This is interesting. I, when I've seen Will Howard, I've I've been impressed. Uh, I don't know that it would have been the first name out of off the top of my head, like say Cam Ward or Dylan Gabriel, um, who are also in heading to the portal. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing here is that the, there's a lot of smoke around this um, this meeting between Lincoln Riley and, and Will Howard. Uh, he is well regarded as a as a quarterback. He has passing talent. Yeah. Um, he uh, obviously had the the wits about him to to win a big a Big Twelve title as a as an underdog going up against uh, TCU mm-hmm. um, in that game. Yeah. Uh, and he looks like the profile of quarterback who you could see elevating considerably under a Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley system. I mean, he he he's like Kansas, one of Kansas State's all-time passing leaders. He's thrown more touchdowns than anybody in Kansas State history. So like you have to I mean, ju- judge numbers against the program in which they are operating. It's sort of How, how many Kansas State great Kansas State quarterbacks I mean, can you mention? That's the thing is how many great Kansas State quarterbacks can you Colin can you mention? Klein was was basically the best uh, of the best. Yeah. What was like uh, uh great value Tim Tebow. Yeah. Um yeah, there was so, Michael but, Bishop and L Roberson both guys were running the triple option. So, but I mean, but that's my thing is like, if you are the quarterback at Kansas state, you, you're not much is expected of you. Yeah. Uh, so you have to go on evaluation. And f- from where I sit, if Lincoln Riley is evaluating a quarterback enough to decide that he's going to go have an in-person conversation with that quarterback, that means he sees something that he can work with. And mm-hmm. uh, I will defer to Lincoln Riley on his quarterback choice when it, when it comes down to it. There are, like you said, there are other names in the portal. There's a ton of names in the portal. And NIL will be a factor here for sure with a, with a lot of these names. But USC is being linked to a guy like Cam Ward, to a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who, by the way, would be the single funniest transfer. USC has already made the single funniest hire they could have made at defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. They could up the, the just pure comedy level uh to a ridiculous degree if if usc turned around and picked up dylan gabriel from the transfer portal I, the oklahoma quarterback um it's almost too funny to believe it, that that be that being the reality uh i i fully expect dylan gabriel to follow uh jeff levy to um mississippi state personally but you never know. Like when the opportunity to come and play for Lincoln Riley arises, there's a there's a whole other consideration to be made for these players. Uh, the other name that I want to throw out there as somebody to watch is Georgia backup Brock Vandegrift. 
he had committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma at one point. So um, he's definitely somebody that you have to say might be yeah. uh, uh, somebody to, to look at uh, for the potential. But it's hey. very clear at this point that USC is going to bring in a transfer quarterback, if not multiple. Uh, so we'll see. You want to talk about guys that Lincoln Riley recruited? Yeah, there's, there's Cam Rising. <laughs> Who's not in the transfer portal. I know, but you know, you know. Uh, you've been talking about Brock Vandegrift since For like while. September. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, ever since he lost the uh, the Georgia yeah. the Georgia quarterback battle to to Carson Beck, yeah. uh, it's um, definitely yeah. somebody who you have to you have to consider. But the suffice it to say, there are a bajillion good quality quarterbacks in the portal. Mm-hmm. And while I don't know that USC will one million percent be at the front of the line for every single one of them because there's NIL uh, allocations and all this other stuff that sort of, t- you know, location, uh, relationships, all of that kind of stuff is is going to be involved. Like uh, uh, the Oregon State quarterback, Aiden, um, Aiden uh, is it Chili's or Childs? I never know how to how to say his his name i don't think i've ever seen the name childs pronounced as chilies um so let's go aiden childs is the number is the top quarterback in the portal right now and he's heavily tipped to go to michigan state to follow jonathan yeah. smith like he's following his coach so, riley leonard entered his name in the portal the guy from duke and immediately national media everybody was saying watch out for notre dame here he's probably going to notre dame so USC won't have necessarily the pick of everybody that's on the table, but I have to feel rather confident that Lincoln Riley will be able to bring in the person or people that he I, wants. I, I, what what is the pitch? Like like Kenny in the chat says, play for Lincoln Riley and you can win a Heisman. Win a Heisman. Like yeah, you need like three slides. Uh, okay, here are my last uh, X amount of quarterbacks who won Heisman's and they were all transfers. So uh, yeah. You could be the next, like, and it's not like you won't you know. make money in LA with NIL stuff. There will be plenty of NIL. Yeah, I, I think for Cam, you. like Cam Ward absolutely seems like the 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 pick for me. If it, like nothing else was included, ever since he retired from the Hurricanes, like he has been, you know, fantastic uh, as the quarterback of Washington State. Um, he's got that resume. Won the Con Smythe in two thousand six. So. I think so you're just weird. you're just not getting this reference. You're either. making an NHL reference that I I recognize as an Boy. NHL reference and still not not picking up what you're putting down. The the, the point is, uh, yeah, Cam Ward, Dylan Gabriel, Will Howard. I think all those guys would be would be solid gets for SC, depending on who it is. If it's me, I'm taking Cam Ward. Dante Moore is interesting just because you get so much term with him, three years of eligibility. Um, but like at that point, uh, how is Dante Moore much different than say Malachi Nelson in terms of like you, someone that you still need to develop too. So if, if the, like, what is your goal here? Is your goal to get a plug and play quarterback? Cause if that's the case, you go out and get Ward, Gabriel or Howard, right? If your, your goal is to find the best quarterback with term with eligibility then maybe Dante Moore is the answer Honest, right like honestly in 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 the transfer portal era as it as it currently exists i wouldn't prioritize term to be quite honest um yeah i think 
the way to go here is get the best quarterback at whatever whatever eligibility they have left. Get get the one that's in there because if if you have to then search next year, you you'd be doing that probably anyways. Then you do. Yeah. Um the interesting thing here is the calculation around Malachi Nelson, Miller Moss, and a transfer quarterback or two. Uh, Miller Moss has a really great opportunity in the Holiday Bowl to sort of prove that he is actually a factor in a in a quarterback competition. Um, but I thought it was also interesting that the discussion around Malachi Nelson with Lincoln Riley with the media today. Uh, he said that there had been some setbacks in terms of of Malachi Nelson this year um, that sound that that heavily hinted to me that that there was you know the injury that he suffered um uh last year uh was was something that was delaying his progression and so if that's the case then taking a quarterback who's going to be a one and done kind of guy maybe allows you to keep Malachi Nelson by a year in terms of his development if if he's on board with the idea that he needs to continue to recover from that injury and fully mm-hmm. fully get get back before he can be handed the reins uh, and then have sort of the best of both worlds but when it comes down to it every year there will be a million playable quarterbacks in the portal and every year that Lincoln Riley is at USC he will have a very strong argument to get the pick of the litter yeah. so you just you just roll is the way i see it yeah, it's a, it's essentially um, college basketball um, and the one and done rule in the sense of like you can go out and just sort of do the Kentucky thing of having a new team every year, um, but having a new quarterback or having a new skill position player or whatever it is, it's the it's way different than what we're used to with college football, but it's it's where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about offers that we know that SC has, has put out. Uh, offensive tackle Spencer Brown from Michigan State. Uh, offensive guard Remington Strickland from Texas A&M. Great name. Remington Strickland. Remington Strickland? Yeah. Like, for, yeah. First of all, a name like Remington Strickland, like, what are we thinking? Prep school? Um, <laughs> like, you probably well, have Remington somebody is, related to, like, a founding father or somebody. Remington is certainly a choice well, for it's, a there's first name. The Remington Trophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for an offensive lineman, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, nominative determinism is a thing. It's so. a thing. It's a thing, yeah. Uh, on the defensive line, Nate Clifton from Vandy. Uh, Joey Slackman from Penn. He was yeah, the... Penn. UPenn. He was the first offer that USC made within the window that it seems like USC would be making offers knowing that Danton Lynn was the one making the offer. Yeah. Uh, the offer came in like right before the Lynn hire leaked before it broke. Um, and he is, is, a, a one of the top, uh, transfer defensive linemen, uh, f- from sort of the lower level to come up. So I think he's really, really intriguing for, for USC and he's a 300 pounder. It's, it's sort of the profile of guy that USC should be looking at in my view. Can can you think of the the last uh, SC guy? Um, I don't know if it's the last one, but the most the most notable to come from the FCS level. Can you think of one? From the FCS level, uh... there, there's been, there's been a few, but the the, the big notable one is Lofa Tatupa. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. Came from Maine. Yeah, that's right. He was from Maine. The, uh, the, the Maine Bears. Yeah. Uh, defensive end R.J. Oben from, from Duke. He's the top edge rusher per 24-7 sports. We'll see uh, what comes of that. Uh, Will Lee from from K State, a defensive back. Uh, Upton Stout from Western Kentucky, uh, and Ethan Robinson from um, Bucknell, another FCS school. Uh, to mention the guy that that I, I don't I haven't seen anything about a USC offer, but to me the guy that you go out and you figure you 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 call like every single USC uh, uh, car dealership that you can. And scrounge up nil money is Walter Nolan. Absolutely, from, from Texas A&M. You throw quarterback money at Walter Nolan if yes. you're USC. Yeah. Um, there's, all, I mean, the, okay, it, it's silly season. We we can officially start calling transfer portal season silly season. There are rumors of giant um, guys who are potentially going to be thinking about going into the portal that USC should be throwing every single thing they could possibly mm-hmm. be at uh, at those guys um so it's only going to get more wild these are just the guys that, that usc has has uh, has seemingly offered these are guys who have tweeted that they've gotten offers from usc so we know for sure that usc is interested but uh there will yeah. also be a lot of really weird um weird stuff that's that's going on in terms of, of guys who become available or, or don't become available so Buckle up, strap in. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh let's get to uh the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. Start with a voicemail that we got. Hi Michael, hi Alicia. This is Eric in Salina, Texas. Looks like USC is going to play in the holiday bowl, and it looks like the offense will be uh, uh headed up by Miller Moss. Uh, what are some things that you're looking for out of Miller Moss and this offense without Caleb Williams? Thanks for the call, Eric. Uh, Lisa, what do you think? What, no Caleb in the, the Holiday Bowl. How does this differ from, say, Miller Moss's last... I mean, we, we obviously we saw him in, in the, the Stanford game, but uh, play a whole half. But the last time that he really got to use the, the, to go up against... Uh, I hate this term, but the Clay Helton thing about the live bullets was uh, the Cal game back in 2021, right? Yeah, I I am really looking forward to seeing Miller Moss um, because I was not impressed with what I saw in the second half against Stanford, but I also recognized that he was playing behind um, the the second string offensive line, and uh, and we don't know the, the USC's complete and utter lack of depth and and all of that. So I don't think he was necessarily given a fair shake in that um, in that game. So I'm looking forward to see him behind the first team offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that that first team offensive line is number one healthy, number two more gelled together, uh, and more capable of providing a. Um, a platform upon which a quarterback can actually succeed. Yeah. Because if they play the way that they've played in uh, in some games this year, then uh, Miller Moss isn't really going to have too much of a chance to show us that he can be uh, be the guy. Um, but I am looking for him to uh, to be decisive, to be um, an effective decision maker, uh, to be um, 
capable of navigating a pocket. And if there is, if there are breakdowns on the offensive line, I, I don't need him, to be, need him to be as mobile as Caleb Williams, but to make the decisions and to have the cool head in the pocket that proves that he can, uh, he can withstand if the offensive line isn't giving him a million, a million minutes to, to throw. Um, and just that the offense moves that he, that he knows how to operate within a Lincoln Riley system and can, can have the offense get into a rhythm. I think more than anything, I would say, if he proves that he can get the offense into a rhythm and a flow and be effective in that way, a lot of my skepticism will be uh, will be diminished. And then and then it's about you know going out. Can he make a big play? Mm-hmm. Can he can he um, show composure on third downs, like all all of the things that you're looking for in a quarterback that that can prove that that quarterback can elevate your offense. Um, yeah. He did not elevate the offense against Stanford, and I need to see him do that in a game where USC is like an eight point underdog. So, you know, there's a if he goes out and wins the game for USC, that does mean something. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned SC being an underdog here. I, I also I. I this is once I saw that it was Louisville. Like, th- I think it's a terrible matchup. Like, completely. Louisville's a very strong defensive team. Um, this is a like I'd almost rather see SC in a in a team that was uh, face maybe someone someone like Clemson that I didn't know, want to see Clemson. I, <laughs> I didn't want to see anybody. Sure, but so. like somebody that was maybe gonna you know try to run with SC a little bit, um, and. You know, Jack Plummer is certainly capable of that thing, especially when you look at the USC defense. I think anything is capable of turning into a shootout that way. But I like what what's the play here? I, I think that Louisville should be way more motivated to play in this game. The it is a bowl game. Um, I think that you can make the argument that maybe Louisville could feel all boo-boo face for losing the ACC championship game. And then they don't want to be here either. Um, And it it sucks that bowl games have to have that question about whether or not you want to be there. I hate that, but that's the reality of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Well, look a year ago, SC was in a bowl game in the the cotton bowl um, in which we said that there was no reason for them to be there um, to like, we, we talked all month, like, you know, no Pac-12 team had ever won a, a game. I mean, a bowl game after losing the Pac-12 championship game. SC continued that streak by losing, but you can't say that they didn't have effort that day. The offense absolutely came to play. Um, SC was up by double digits in the third quarter, weren't they? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like it wasn't a lack of effort. Oh, that USC wasn't should. the problem against against Tulane, right? USC should have won that game. Yeah, <laughs> the fact like, that they didn't win that game is uh, is astounding. Is, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a measure of defense and special teams combining right. to. Uh, yeah, and you know, even look at the Holiday Bowl in, in 2019. Uh, I know people like to say that. I would, you know, jiggle back to SC, but that's not really what happened. Like, no. Keaton Slovis got hurt. Uh, Iowa could not stop Keaton Slovis while he was healthy in that game. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that, what, but what do you want to see from Miller Moss? I think, I think the key is, I think it's going to be so valuable for him to have a full month of first team reps. Um, the other thing is this, we have to understand, yes, I think that Caleb Williams... 
made up for so many deficiencies in this USC offense when it comes to the offensive line issues, when it comes to maybe the uh, downturn in play of the wide receivers, all those kind of things. I think that he elevated those. He elevated the offense from that perspective. At the same time, this is an offense that should be in a position to help the quarterback. This is an offense in which every quarterback who has run a Lincoln Riley offense has succeeded. The bad one, the one that Oklahoma fans point to is Spencer Radler. And he succeeded in this offense. Nonetheless, his quarterback rating would be a school record at USC. Like, like that's how efficient he was running this offense. So I think that we have to, we have to look at it that way that yes, Caleb Williams can do things that Miller Moss can't do. Uh, at least we haven't seen. Um, but the offense itself should be in a position to help the quarterback um, more than most. And I think he might be able to have success that way. But again, it's a bowl game. You never know what team is going to show up. Um, this team could... And we certainly don't know what defense is going to show up either. Yeah, right. And I like. I think a bowl game no-show would have been way more palatable than a UCLA rivalry game no-show. And SC already no-showed the UCLA yeah. game. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's, that's a bad sign going into the bowl game, right? Like, it would have been one thing if they would have beaten UCLA and then no-showed the bowl game because teams no-show the bowl games all the time now. But, like... UCLA, I mean, the UCLA game was the no-show, which is the the, o- the only hope against a no-show is is um, defensively those practices you have to assume will be observed by the new defensive coordinator and yeah. players, if they want to be around, know they need to make an impression. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, one one hundred one hundred and fifty percent. All right, uh, let's get to a message that we got from an email we got from Tony in uh, Denora, PA. Uh, Michael Malaysia, this is Tony from Denora, PA. I'm excited, but also reserved about this hire, meaning Danton Lynn. I have a lot of questions about the process. He's been a defensive coordinator for one year. What happened to Jim Leonard? Did he not? Did he want too much money for himself and his coaches? Uh, did Tony White use USC to get more money from Nebraska? Or was there something else? And is Lynn going to bring in his own staff, or are we going to have to have the same coaches? Hopefully we don't keep them. This isn't a home run hire, but I would say it's a solid double with reaching third in an outfield error. Um, fine on, Tony, in Denora, PA. Um, yeah, n- number number one is, is my biggest concern. I think that there's a ton to like about Danton Lynn's time at UCLA, um, but it's one. It's a one-year sample size, and a one-year sample size is not a great sample size. It's. I mean, it is a great one year, uh, but it would be nice if if there was more proof that he could replicate it. Um, if he doesn't have a first-round NFL draft pick rushing the passer with uh, Leal Tulatu and uh, and you know guys like the Murphy Twins and and all of that. Um, what will his defense look like if he doesn't have that level of playmaker? Um, can he create another playmaker like that? Leatu Latu was really, really good in 2022. He was even better in 2023. So, like that would be my hope from um, from Danton Lynn is that I don't think USC has a Leatu Latu, but they have some dudes who mm-hmm. are 
pretty decent this year who could get a lot better next year and with the right kind of coaching. And I think that's what you have to sort of identify and focus on um, from that perspective is, is the improvement that UCLA made. They had Leatu Latu last year and had a really bad defense. Mm -hmm. They had a, they, they elevated those players even beyond being very good last year as an individual into creating a strong unit. That's what Danton Lynn needs to do. I know that I've I've heard the idea that yeah, SC doesn't have a Leatu Latu. No, but there's a there's a Ballard, Bear Alexander there. Yeah. Um there's and there's talents like I mean Jamil Co- Muhammad, I think could Corey Foreman, Jamil Muhammad, Romello Height, and yeah. Anthony Lucas are all players that that have immense talent, immense potential mm-hmm. uh that that you have to to hope um that that, that can be unlocked. And and maybe you get even more out of Bear Alexander and, and he's yeah. your Layatu Latu equivalent, um obviously playing a very different position. But yeah. um number two, what happened to Jim Leonard? I was extremely skeptical of Jim Leonard coming and being USC's defensive coordinator until all the smoke around Jim Leonard potentially coming to be USC's defensive coordinator. Um, so what happened with Jim Leonard? I'm guessing all of the reasons that I was skeptical about Jim Leonard becoming USC's defensive coordinator won out. Uh, he seems like a Midwest guy. He seems like a guy who wants to live in Wisconsin and uh, or, or live in, in that region. Never really felt like a he's going to come to L.A. kind of kind of guy. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. the I don't have the inside scoop there, but uh but it felt like a long shot for for its own its own reason. Um, did Tony White use USC to get more money? Uh, yes, <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I he interviewed for the job, so clearly, at least that's the the reporting that's happened. Mm-hmm. So clearly, he uh, he was in the running um, at a certain point. I don't think Lincoln Riley would would interview somebody without being serious about potentially actually pulling the trigger and hiring them so yeah. i don't think it was like a smoke screen or anything like that i think that he probably made the decision that i think a lot of others would have made which is why leave a good situation um to go take over a really really tough situation at usc it sort of uh sort of makes sense uh and number five and number five i the home run hire obviously i agree and that's not a bad thing, you know. A, a double isn't a bad thing. Putting a man in scoring position is really, really good. The, the only issue with a double relative to a home run is that having a man in scoring position doesn't mean that the guy who's at the plate is going to be capable of of, yeah. of bringing that guy home. Could be Mookie Betts in the playoffs. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's really the question uh, for USC. But I think it's also important to recognize that, like, if you if Danton Lynn is a home run higher than what is Manny Diaz, <laughs> then then what is you know uh, any of the like super 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 elite hires that USC could have made? Like the, to me, yeah. that's what I would refer to as a home run. Yeah, uh, let's go to questions we've got here on YouTube's. Uh, Roman Murdy says, "Will SC have more of a home field advantage than Louisville in the Holiday Bowl?" I don't know. I I I'm... Okay, Louisville's never been to the Holiday Bowl as far as I'm aware of. I don't I'm pretty sure they haven't been. It's a far it's far away. Um 
Louisville's not exactly some place that you need to escape the cold, say, compared to other places. Uh, but still, I think it would be a nice, de bold destination if you're a Louisville fan, right? Like, I... And are, are SC people excited about going to the Holiday Bowl? Usually not. However, people weren't excited about the 2019 game, and I was shocked how many SC people were there. Like, there were a ton of SC people in 2019. That's where I'm coming from, is that I didn't... I expected Iowa to out-travel USC to the, the Holiday Bowl in 2019, and that didn't seem to happen. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know. It's uh, th this is this is difficult to say. I I think the inherent you don't have to fly to get there. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily even have to get a hotel to get there. Is probably going to give USC an advantage um, just by that yeah. because the economy is what it is and uh, spending power is what well, it is. We've been talking about like should we go? Like it gives yeah. us a reason to go to Hodeds. Yeah. And I was, uh, I honestly, like, I think it would, I've never been to Petco Park. I think it would be really cool to go Petco to, Park is to elite. Petco and see yeah. USC play. Like, 100% would have, but like, if we lived in Louisville and had to make that calculation, we would just flat out not go right. um, because of the expense. Living in Los Angeles, like, yeah, we could, we could, we could swing that theoretically. But Petco is like, here's the great stadiums in baseball. It's Wrigley Field. Then Petco. Well, Wrigley Field, Petco, Coors. Those are the those are the big three. Undoubtedly, this is like a no trolley answer too. Like that that's a that's a dead serious. I answer. don't have opinions on this necessarily. Like I don't no. I don't necessarily like I don't. You never been inside Coors or, or the Wrigley. only baseball stadiums I've been to are Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, and um, it's a disappointment. Uh, Yankee Stadium for a Liverpool game. New New Yankee New Yankee yeah. Stadium yeah. and um, Oracle. So you went. To, is it, is so it, you went to two boring generic stadiums in Dodger Stadium and Anaheim Stadium, uh, and then a sanitized. Yankee uh, Stadium and then corporate Yankee Stadium and then the Giants um, in San Francisco with you yeah on our honeymoon this is true I forgot about that yeah Pac Bell Park uh, against the Rockies is it Pac Bell Park I call it Pac Bell oh, it's baby it's not Pac Bell anymore what's it but is it Oracle, Oracle. okay Oracle. it is Oracle yeah 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 yeah, Scott says uh, Wrigley has certain issues with structural elements blocking view. That's a thing. Yeah, not as bad as Fenway. Fenway's worse with that, but yes, that's a, that's a thing at at Wrigley for sure. Um, Robbie in the chat says Kentucky gets pretty cold. That's fair. I mean, I'm, mo I'm mostly thinking like you know, compared to say Wisconsin. Yeah, it's not as cold as Wisconsin, but yeah, it, it, gets, it gets cold for sure. Um, what channels the Holiday Bowl? I, I imagine. Uh, no, it's on Fox. It's on Fox. I I think I saw that on the on the um, Wikipedia page earlier. I think it's on Fox. Um, right all right. Uh, other questions we got in it's on Fox in the uh, yeah big big Fox that we got in the chat. Uh, Cameron has a couple of questions. Is this DC hiring of Danton Lynn the ultimate suck at what's brewing show to Jake? <laughs> We're getting dinner with Jake this week. Uh, I think we can ask him, but I think the answer has to be yes, right? Like. Just based on the tweets that I've seen from the What's Bruin show since they the hire, down they're bad. down bad. I feel bad. I feel bad because I know that feeling. Like, it's like 2018 and 2019 
and 2020 with Clint Helton, just like at the end of every year, you're just like, I just don't, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cameron's other question of the quarterbacks in the transfer portal today, who would you want SC to pick up? It. We talked about that earlier. For if it if it's me, it's Cam Morton. If it's you, who, who you pick? Um, you, like you have ultimate power here. If it's me, it's Cam Ward. Uh, but but honestly, like my honest answer is whoever Lincoln Riley wants. If if in, whoever Lincoln Riley picks, I will feel confident that that quarterback is capable of of doing what Lincoln Riley wants yeah. him to do. But uh, but just on the surface, I yeah, I'd say Cam Ward. Yeah, this is the one area where I think that Lincoln Riley deserves all of the. Uh, the, the trust on is quarterback decisions. There's no reason to doubt his quarterback decisions at all. Yeah. Really. There, there, there just isn't historically there. Ha- there hasn't been um, a reason to doubt those things. Um, the other, if it was totally up to me, guys who aren't even in the transfer portal, I've said this before. I think, I think Schroeder Sanders is the guy, but obviously That's you, can't, not you, you can't do that. He, he's not leaving. He's not leaving his dad at Colorado. Um, Lamont says with, with Marshawn Lloyd leaving and Austin Jones leaving, Barlow should reconsider leaving because this could be his opportunity to be the Thunder to Joiner's Lightning. For the bowl game, I would say that makes sense, but USC has, uh, I think I've seen that Austin Jones might be considering playing. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd even said he would play, uh, but before he declared to the draft, so I don't even know what's going on there. But they've got Joyner, they've got uh, Amaron Peterson, um, you know Barlow. I think it's just important that he gets mm-hmm. he gets to where he's going. Uh, yeah. USC did have guys last year who were in the portal play in the bowl game, so don't rule that out either. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I would I think it would be really fun to see Darwin Barlow get twenty carries in a bowl game for USC personally. I would. Here's my thing about Darwin Barlow. I don't want to pee in anyone's Cheerios. <laughs> but I think, like, if Darwin Barlow was this, like, if he was truly this incredible running back, you're telling me that, like, he wouldn't have gotten more playing time? Mm-hmm. Like there's been multiple coaching staffs at SC that could have given him more playing time now. Yeah, and he 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 like I just I I I I understand that there's always like there's nobody there's no fan favorite like the backup, uh. But like we've seen this with Jamel Cook, we've seen this with Marquis Step, we've seen this with like there's a bunch of guys who you see glimmers or you hear glimmers about what happens in practice and then they become the big shiny hope of the future. And then they end up transferring and they don't really do anything when they transfer either. And so like, that's my only concern. Like I think Darwin Barlow is very fun. I think he's fun to watch and all that stuff. I think that if he was true, like truly a, a, Fantastic, as good as people think that he has been in his small glimpses, I think he would have played himself into the rotation. And I think that's a fair opinion to have. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Darwin. Mm-hmm. Like, like, go to 
some other school where they're going to give you the run and then prove me wrong. I, I, I would be glad to eat crow here. I, I don't, I, I, like I said, I love watching the kid. Um, I, I just, I'm just always skeptical of the, uh, of, of the stuff there. Um, all right. But before we get to the last couple of questions, which are off topic, uh, talk about the playoff. Um, college football playoff committee has made the decision. It's number one, Washington playing against number four, uh, sorry, number one, Michigan playing against number four, uh, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, and then it's Washington. Oh, no, they're playing the Rose Bowl, and then it's Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl, uh, which leaves out Florida State. Florida State, the first undefeated conference champion to be left out of the four-team college football playoff um, field. The only one, because this is the last year of the four-team college football playoff field. Alicia, your thoughts? Um, I think this is a, a systemic issue. Um, every year somebody gets left out, and the only thing that determines how, uh, d you know, how much outrage there is is how the field sh shook out to the point where uh, we decide that it's okay that a conference champion got left out, but every year a conference champion, if not more than one conference champion, is left out. That is why a four-team playoff was always a massive mistake in a in a system where you have five power conferences in a league where you have 130-plus teams to only have a field of four was always going to create these impossible situations. And up till now, the playoff committee, the playoff got away with not running into the doomsday scenario of having this many undefeated teams and also the best league in the sport uh, having not an undefeated champion. Um, they This is this is the system that they set up and, and uh, honestly, no matter what decision that the CFP made, somebody was going to be righteously furious because Florida State getting left out is a travesty. It's a travesty. But if I'm being honest, Alabama getting left out would have also been a travesty in terms of who can actually go out there and, and win the playoff. Um, I think winning the SEC does matter uh, having the strength of schedule. I, and, I, and I'm not an SEC, I, I don't cape for the SEC. I, I agree that there's a lot of SEC bias in the sport, but it is the best league uh, in, in, in college football year in and year out. And the ACC is not at that level. Um, and it just, it just sucks that it's, that it's a four team. It, it like, to me, that's what it comes down to. It sucks. But without Jordan Travis, I didn't want to watch Florida state in the playoff. I didn't want to watch Michigan, Florida state to be, to be quite honest. I just didn't as a neutral here. I'm glad they made the decision that they made. It freaking sucks, but I'm glad they, they made the decision that they made. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm of a couple of minds here. First of all, I I don't like the idea. I don't like the argument of just put the four best teams in. I've always been a best teams guy, but I think that like there's I'm gonna make a wild comparison here. It's like uh, libertarianism, like <laughs> libertarianism, decent idea. 
But like, you can't go as far as not having seatbelts. You know what I mean? Like, there's a limit to these things, right? Like, uh, best four teams, theoretically, best four teams. Yes, best four teams. But also, if we're literally talking about the best four teams, then Georgia would be in. And there's no reason Georgia should be in. So it's not literally the four best teams. I think, and and it's not also the most, shouldn't be just the most deserving. It should be a combination of the two. It's the best deserving teams. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, that's the way I, I, I look at it. And the way, like, I've always said that they're, the, the best opportunity should be, you should get to the end of the season and then come up with a solution to solve the problem. And I think for me, that would be like a seven or eight team playoff this year would be because I think in terms of like national championship quality teams that are worthy of like doing like I would include Georgia and Ohio State and I would include Florida State and I would include Oregon I know Oregon's lost twice but they've been to the same team by the same amount of points both times they only lost twice because they played Washington twice I like Ohio State only lost once because they only played Michigan once you know what I mean like yeah if you had a an eight team playoff, I think this would be the year to do it to solve it because I think there's eight teams that have that have the ability to win a national championship this year on the field. But realistically, I think there's five des- truly deserving teams, and it's um, aside from like saying that Michigan should be banned or whatever. Um, it's Washington, it's Michigan, it's Alabama, Texas, and Florida State. For me, the biggest crime, and I understand why people don't agree with this, but the biggest crime and the biggest argument of, like, why even play the games would have been if Texas was left out. If Texas was left out, that would have been the biggest horseshit in the history of college football. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's not Florida State going undefeated. It's Texas being left out because Texas literally beat Alabama. If Texas was the fifth team, that would have been absolute garbage because they literally beat Alabama head to head. And I like how Texas was third on the rankings because that proves that that head-to-head matchup mattered, which is exactly what the case should be. And then, okay, so then why am I okay with Florida State being five? Because I think that if you gave Florida State schedule, like even apart from the, the Jordan Travis thing, if you gave Florida State schedule to any of those other teams that we're talking about, I think they're also undefeated. I, like, who did they beat besides LSU? And Alabama also beat LSU and then also beat Georgia and, like, Ole Miss. Like, I'm sorry, but Florida State didn't play anybody besides LSU. I get that they're 12-0, 13-0, uh, but, like, let's look back at 2004. Auburn went 13-0, right? Nobody considered them to be in the playoff except for Auburn people because we all knew that they weren't on the same level as SC in Oklahoma. 2005, Penn State goes undefeated. We all, or no, they, they, they nearly went undefeated. We all knew that even if they did go undefeated, there was no way in hell that they were going to like usurp SC in Texas. I understand that it sucks going undefeated and that you can only control what's ahead of you. 
But like this is a situation where somebody was going to get screwed. And as long as someone's going to get screwed, like just because you went undefeated versus one loss shouldn't be the be all and end all here. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I think wins matter here. And Alabama, like I, I get the, the bloodthirst for like letting the sec feel being screwed when the sec doesn't get screwed compared to other conferences uh at the, at the same rate i get the bloodthirst there and yeah it would have been satisfying if alabama would have been screwed because of that but like i i there's no logical reason to leave alabama out either there's no logical reason to leave any of the five out i also but you have to i and people don't like this but i think it does matter that jordan travis is injured it does matter that jordan travis is injured if uh, Michael Penix was injured, it would matter in the, in that context. If if Quinn Ewers was injured, it would matter to me in the context of, of these rankings. Um, you know, if Jalen Milrow was injured and, and Alabama was trotting out, you know, Tyler Buckner, I would be advocating for Florida State to be in over Alabama. Like, I I, I just I I think that the the Jordan Travis injury so- does have to does have to come into account. Um, when it comes to deciding whether or not this Florida State team can well, actually compete in the playoff. I, I, I was asked this on Twitter, and I think it's worthy to mention. Let's look at this from 12 months ago. It, do you think that SC should have been... We know that Caleb Williams got hurt in the Pac-12 championship game. If SC beats Utah, they, they, they end up pulling it out, right? Like, we know mm-hmm. that SC pulled within seven in the beginning of the fourth quarter, right? Like, let's say that they pull that game out. Mm-hmm. Um, as is, with him playing Hurts, they win by a field goal or whatever. Should SC have been kept out of the playoff because of Caleb Williams' injury? Uh, if if that was a calculation that, that somebody wanted to make, where a one... Because remember, last year there were... There were two undefeated teams, two one-loss teams, and USC got taken out of it. But if USC is a is a is a one-loss team, and they are being put up against Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State, and Caleb Williams has suffered a season-ending injury, uh, I would have understood if the committee had said, "No, we're not putting USC in if Caleb Williams isn't their quarterback." Because there would be four other deserving teams that I think would have absolutely deserved to be in as well. Like in the context of last year, I think I think it would have absolutely worked as a as an argument. Um, do See, I think that that's how it would have played out? I don't. I don't honestly know. I, but I, if it was a season-ending injury for Caleb Williams and he absolutely couldn't play, and and a twelve and one USC team got left out in favor of Ohio State. An Ohio State I, team led by C.J. Stroud that, that like, wasn't a conference champion. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't a conference champion. I I would be furious as a USC fan, but like without Caleb Williams, we can all be honest, guys. We can all be honest. Without Caleb Williams, USC last year, I wasn't a playoff team. And even with Caleb Williams last year, I don't think USC stood a chance in the playoff either. I understand the the need to ask the question. But I don't think they're remotely the same situation. The only reason 
Alabama is in and Florida State is out is because they beat Georgia and won the SEC. Yes, yeah. In the situation that last year where let's just say that, yeah, SC wins that game with a, with a gimpy Caleb Williams and we don't know the severity of the injury and all that kind of stuff. You're assuming that they get jumped by Ohio State who did not play in the conference championship week. Yeah, and context which is totally that different. That would have been complete a completely different scenario. Yeah, it's it's so it's like, not apples to apples. It's not apples to apples. And so I don't think it completely works. I also think it's not exactly a fair comparison either because in this hypothetical Caleb Williams plays in the game still and wins. Yeah. Jordan Travis is not playing in the game like can't play on a broken leg in the same way, right? Like I don't think it's exactly the same. I will say that if if the if we were a, a Florida State podcast, I thoroughly understand getting here and being upset about the stuff. They and like should talking. be upset. They should be upset. It's absolutely it's outrageous that a undefeated Power Five champion yes. doesn't get to play for the national title. Yes. But that's a that's the but that's the system that was designed. That's the dumbass system of a four team playoff in a five team in a, yes. in a five. There were five, uh, five teams conference uh, scenario. It's it. Why they decided four, I do not understand. It was probably just because four was neater than, you know, going from two to four made made sense. They should right. have gone to six. The fact that they didn't go to six or eight is a, a massive mistake also, that they are paying for now. And it's not, I'm not the one paying for it. Florida State's paying for it. Like well, Also, I, I don't like this idea that... It's unprecedented that Florida State is the is the playoff team that did not make like the only thirteen and zero team to ever not make the play. That is true, but also there is precedence for this. Look at twenty fourteen, the first year of the playoff. Florida State was the only undefeated team, the only one. They, they were, were not number ranked four. number one. They were ranked number three. Yeah, three. So like, there's literally precedence for one loss conference champions to be ranked ahead of them. Like mm -hmm. the, the precedence is there. Mm -hmm. It's a different situation because the number of available teams and there was that weird bullshit with Baylor and TCU and like that weird whole thing and Ohio State squeaks in. But like the situation wasn't exactly the same, but Florida State wasn't number one by default. Like you, they didn't just... You know, the, the I, I understand the idea is four is in and five is out, but like you also need to look at this in terms of just the rankings in of in of itself. So I don't know. I feel bad for Florida State. I feel bad for Florida like, State because I don't know what else Robbie, they could have done. Robbie in the chat says if the committee was was consistent, Bama would have been out. No, but that's what our that's all our whole point. Bama was number one with a loss over an undefeated Florida State in 2014. The SEC champion has been ranked ahead of teams that had better records of it most of the years in these rankings because the strength of schedule comes into play, the strength of, of record, all of that kind of stuff. Like Alabama is uh, is ahead of Florida State by uh, by I mean Notre Dame is ahead of Florida State in the uh, in the in FPI. Um, the, the, they're looking at advanced metrics too. Like you can't totally ignore these these things, and it's not all clean. You know the formulas are all 
subject to to things, but yeah. I'm not going to begrudge them for not wanting to leave out the SEC champion. I don't want the SEC champion left out, except for I, shits and giggles. I, like, I, would I, I giggle? Yeah, I would, but I would feel like Alabama me, had been hard done. It's less about it them being in the SEC. I understand it's the strength of their resume. It's but, a strong like, they, resume. They, they the literally only beat they, number one. The only reason they have a loss is because they played a tough out of conference matchup with yeah with a with a playoff team. Right. So like you take the Texas if if they had played Louisiana Monroe, they're undefeated SEC champion, and no one has a problem mm-hmm. with them being in. Yeah. You know, the solution to all of this is the Michael method, which if if you've never heard the Michael method, which I sort of alluded to before. The Michael method is you devise the playoff format this week. You see what you have, and then you're like, okay, how many worthy teams are there? Uh, let's just see. Like 2005, there's only SC in Texas. It's just going to be a two-team playoff. That's all it is, right? But in a year like this, I think that they could have looked at it and said it could have been either a five-team, could have been a six-team, seven-team, and eight-team. Like I think all of those numbers would have made sense. Um, but they don't have the luxury of doing that. And so when you don't have the luxury of doing that, someone is going to be screwed. The good and news the, is the, the, the good news no is one that, in 2024 is going to get screwed or yes. the teams that get screwed are going to be ranked 13th and 14th. And guess yes. what? They're going to have three right. losses and I'm not going to give a crap that right. they got screwed. I will also say, and maybe this is just the petty asshole in me. I... I watched what happened in two, 2003. And to me, that was a more ridiculous crime than this was. Um, SC was literally the number one team, team in the country. country and didn't get in. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I feel bad for Florida State. But as like, as my, Troy Miller in the chat says, the truth is college football isn't fair and that's just how it is, unfortunately. Yes, like, and it has always been this supremely unfair. And this is... Is this not what we love about college football? Like, like not that you love this, that this happens, but you love that, like, there is this. Like, I one of the things that I don't like about the the twelve team playoff is I worry that it's just going to make it like the NFL, and I love like the 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 tension and the stress and the drama and the and the scorn and all that's like I think there's a certain kind of art to it. I know it's not fair. It sucks. But, like, there's a certain kind of art to it. And I I like that art. I like the BCS. I miss it. No, the BCS sucked. No, it didn't. The BCS sucked. The playoff is a good thing. They just needed to not be stupid and do four. They needed to do six. At least. At least six. Well... Eight would have been my sweet After spot. After the Personally, debacle of 2014, how they didn't go to six then is, is, was yeah. questionable. Yeah, because yeah. e- literally every single year, teams that deserving teams have been left out. If they had just gone to eight, you'd have plenty of wiggle room uh, to to work with, and you wouldn't be leaving out undefeated group of five teams every year, and you wouldn't be leaving out um, uh, teams that didn't get to play in their conference title game because of weird stupid rules, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it just, it's a system problem. I don't blame the people for yeah. trying to find the best solution within that system. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Who's winning the Heisman, Michael? It's, I for me, it's Michael Penix. The finalists are LSU's Jaden Daniels, uh, Washington's Michael Penix, Oregon's Bo Nix, and Ohio State's Marvin Harrison 
Jr. Yeah. And I think it will be in that order. I did not watch enough of Marvin Harrison and Jalen Daniels to um, Jane Daniels to truly be able to say definitively um, either way. Um, but for me, and with what I saw, it's undoubtedly Penix over Knicks. Uh, I I think it's it's easily Penix is Penix and Daniels are the only two that I think should be seriously considered, and for me, just uh, yeah. Daniels just you know did essentially what Daniels Caleb did, did crazy nutty things like he, he, the did, stats he did what Caleb did last year, which is yeah. just sort of have to overcome an incredibly terrible defense. I'm fine with him winning. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had forty touchdowns and four interceptions. Yeah. I give him the Heisman. Yeah, that that's totally fine, but I do not get the 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 Knicks thing at all. Do not get it. I get why he's, why he's in New York. He shouldn't be a factor sure, in terms of winning but it. But Nick should not win this thing. No. I, I don't. I do not get it. I do not get the, the, the next thing at all. Um. All right. Let's go to a couple off-topic questions. Uh, Lawant says, uh, Mike and Alicia, how are you guys? And how was your Thanksgiving? I've been away for the past few shows because after the UCLA game, I had to take a mental break. But I'm back now. Well, I'm glad you, I'm Lamont. I'm glad you got to take a break. I think that's always a good thing to just sort of step away. I've had to do that a few times this season of um, of just stepping away from Twitter and stepping away from social media, all that kind of stuff. Thanksgiving was lovely. Um, I am sadly grateful that USC is no longer playing football every weekend and ruining my week <laughs> to start with. <laughs> the oh last two weeks of um, of work for me over the weekend have been significantly better than any other weekends this this yeah. fall. So yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, Thanksgiving was good. Um, I went on a uh, on a cruise last week. Without me? Yeah, without you. Boys it was a, trip. It was a boys trip. Uh, me and my best friend went and uh, did a cruise. It was Adam Savage themed, like uh, from MythBusters. Which was super cool. That we we did an egg drop on the cruise, and we made a contraption, um, where it was a cup that was tethered on top of a cup holder, um, and we dropped it from one of the decks to the lower decks. Uh, the egg survived, and Adam Savage said that we did good. He really liked what we did, and to me that that was that was all I needed. That was <laughs> that was the positive reinforcement that I needed in life. So that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, always love going on a cruise, so it's, it's good times. But um, here we are, back again to talk about uh, more bowl game stuff. I don't know. We got to de- devise the um, the bowl game schedule. I think that we'll be back next week um, and then go back to two a week, maybe next week or something like that to start getting you guys ready for um, transfer portal stuff. Um uh, bowl game previews, all that stuff. So we'll get to that as we go along. Uh, last thing, USC priority in the chat says uh, anniversary. I think you I think they mean honeymoon. Legit thought you guys were brother and sister. Yikes! Wow. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Uh, not not quite. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. No. Uh, this this ain't this ain't no Lannister situation. <laughs> Oh boy! Yikes! Okay, uh, with 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 that, we got we got to end right there. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, 
Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you guys as always. Uh, you guys are the best. Uh, Robbie in the chat says, love you all. Much love to everyone in the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so until next time, we will see you. See you. See you. See you.